something interrupt this podcast? Well, this is the perfect time for a bathroom break or coffee time. And now, back to the show. It wasn't nothing like the game, it's just me against the world. Sammy and I have a legendary guest uh, with me today. Uh, this man right here is, uh, I would consider him a mentor that I've had on and off for years. Uh, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, good day. My name is uh, Abdul Kadir Hassan. And ironically, you said uh, you are uh, a nomad. Yes, Somali I'm, nomad. I'm a Somali nomad. <laughs> so when you say describe yourself, I was contemplating on the way here. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a name, everybody has an address, but what, how should I describe myself? Yeah. So I thought, you know, I should describe authentically in that the last 20 years, my research is part of that question of describe yourself. Who yeah. are you? Yeah. So in context of that research, I am, I am a Somali nomad who's been domesticated, whose ancestors less than a century ago were camel herders, who's within the context of the global and globalization and the entire colonization, is why I'm sitting in this park in Ottawa today with you. Yeah. Another descendant of a Somali nomad asking me to describe myself. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know who this guy is. Uh, he's I would I would I want to call him a mini celebrity, but in my opinion, he definitely is. You know, uh, I've known this guy for more than ten years. Uh, he's an amazing poet uh, slash comedian. Uh, he's a basically a, I would say like a philosopher. You, you spit like a lot of facts uh, for a Somali guy, and I, I've learned stuff that I would never expect in a million years. You know, like I kind of expand in my mind uh, over time, uh, and. Uh, Obviously, people know you uh, professionally as Dini Jama. Um, you're the guy who, uh, especially on YouTube, uh, became viral with virals, uh, <laughs> or virals viral, right? With uh, um, what was that the, the video that you got famous for? Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. Don't you know? be like Mike. Don't be like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as that video hit, everybody kind of like figured out, hey, you know, like the, this. This guy is spitting something no one's ever heard of before. Mashallah. Yeah. Mashallah. Yeah. No, mashallah. No, thank you. That, 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 don't believe the mic thing came out. I, I was just newly married and lived in West Ottawa. Yeah. And I was just, as you were thinking, uh, dabbling in the uh, spoken word poetry. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first video I've ever recorded on myself. And, yeah. and it was one thing. One take in the recording, but I've already memorized before the whole concept. Yeah. So the the moral story of that video, don't believe the hype, literally, yeah. is how I just described myself. That it's inadequate to just say I'm Dini Jama or Abdul Qadir Hassan. Yeah. In this podcast, I have to don't believe the hype. Yeah. And describe where I came from. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm still carrying the essence of that video, which is don't believe the hype. Yeah. Don't be like Mike. Doesn't mean Mike is bad, but Mike is just a successful slave from Mike. So if you become like him, yeah. you'll just be at the very most a successful slave, or like Tyrone. You know yeah. the dude used yeah. to be a point guard in high school. Yeah. Now he's just security guard in a local mall with weak knee and lost dreams. Oh, should I start doing this? <laughs> Sorry, flicking my fingers, just like the uh, poetry days. Oh my god. Wow, wow. I don't know where to start, but uh, just uh, talk about a bit about yourself, uh, uh, Dini, uh, about your upbringing and your early life in Canada. 
Yes, uh, I was born in Somalia. I was raised. I was raised in Indonesia. Yeah. And I came to Somalia. Uh, I came to Canada at the age of sixteen. Yeah. I attended Richmond High School. Proudly to say, the fourth or fifth Somali to ever register in Richmond High School. <laughs> It's an accomplishment. <laughs> so, within the context of to describe you as a youth and our listeners, is that. I was one of the first Somali teenagers to arrive in Canada. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So the knowledge I can convey is not me personally. It's the thousands who have trained me growing up in Somalia, growing up in different places, and coming to Canada. Yeah. So that's where my journey has begun. So, so in a sense, I, I'm a bridge between the first, first generation yeah. and you guys. You understand? So we yeah. were listening to Public Enemy, Rito Street, yeah. in 1990. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we were already hip hop, as early hip hop. Like I'm one of those first few Somalis who already had Somali culture, but who have adapted quickly to here because of high school as we grew up. Yeah. Wow. I hope that answered. Yeah, absolutely. I I remember me and you. We we've talked about that like even a couple of years ago when you were saying the hip hop scene people have now. Like hip hip hop was always the same way back when uh, when you were growing up, especially early on in Canada. You said like the music that you listen today, you said it was a lot more raw and a lot more real way back when. Yeah, a lot more political, a lot more, political. A lot more reality yeah. based. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. No, I I'm not really saying those kids were more intelligent than today's kids. Yeah, it is social engineering. You, you understand those yeah. kids because it was early days of hip hop, yeah. and they represented the culture they grew up. Yeah. The culture they grew up came out of civil rights, yeah. came out of a political aspect. That's why even a gangster group like N.W.A. Yeah. was talking about the plight of the police. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Which little babies just getting Oscar or Grammys for? They were doing that in 1990. Yeah. So it, it was the whole youth movement even within African-American hip-hop was political, let's help the community, you know what I mean? Yeah. There was this, you know, materialistic thing, but there really was not the core group yeah. of hip-hop back then. Mm. Wow. So, um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, uh, in regards to like the Somali community, like what changes uh, have you seen in the Somali community from your early years till now? Especially like like arriving here and then seeing it uh, develop over over the years. Uh, well, the Somali community back then, you know, they, I I never liked to fell into the trap that one time was better than the other time. Okay. That they were more evolved back then or more better than this. No, the environment has a lot to do. The early Somalis were fresh off the boat, literally. And they had all their relatives back home and their trauma with them. They didn't understand the language. They didn't understand the context they were here. So that when Somalis of all the generation like me say, oh, back in the day, we loved each other. We were helping each other. Yeah, out of necessity. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Yeah. Sooner, five, six years later, after they got adapted to the place, they all started dispersing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so. I don't know. I, the context of your question is what? That what's the difference? Between? The difference because I remember we, we had a talk and you said in the end, like Somalis, like when you were coming up, are, are kind of different than now, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, like you mentioned even before the podcast, like domesticated, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So were, were Somalis domesticated when you first arrived in uh, Canada? Well, there is levels to the domestication. Okay. You understand? Yeah. Somalis when they came already had cinemas in Hamar. They were going to, you know, sports teams. They already had this. They were listening to Bob Marley before they came. Wow. So it's not like what you guys think. Yeah. Like those Somalis straight came out of the bush. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson was huge. In the, like the number one celebrity in Somalia in the mid-80s was Michael Jackson. With Michael Jackson jackets. He was bigger than all the Somali celebrities. So as far as the domestication, we are not on your level. You understand? Yeah, yeah, But yeah, we understood yeah. how governments and, and all that aspect rudimentary worked. You understand? So that's why the Buddhist generations seem tend to have a cultural shock, per se, because of the weather. That's another huge aspect. You guys are different than us. Yeah. So 
we we spend our it's as if you guys right now you can put yourself right now with little kids of just newly married move straight to the middle of a small town in China. You have to put it in that context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you, your your intelligence is not lower or higher before going to China. Yeah. But you experience difficulty, and that difficulty is called adjustment. You know. So yeah. what we had more than you guys is we had the authentic, closer, authentic culture of organic families, how it worked before Hollywood. Yeah. You understand what yeah. I mean? So we had that, but they had the, the system was never interested in us. It was, they were interested in you guys. You understand? So your involvement now, and this is the difference, and to go to the heart of what the difference is, is majority of Somali youths think they're black today. So they're questioning their Somaliness. You, you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The involvement is not just adjustment to the weather and cars and and ATMs. You understand what I mean? It is, we are not the same people. Your kids might not even know what Somalia is. Because now you guys, the whole idea that you are black, to, to elaborate on that, how are you black? Because we have the same struggle. Let's be honest. Because the white man can't tell us apart. Like, when did I became a prisoner of white man's eyes? I can't tell you the difference between you and Cameroon. So, that's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Yeah. If the Cameroonian accepted to be black, yeah. I'm saying I'm Somali. That does not mean I'm not black. <laughs> that's, 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 that's straight truth, honestly. Yeah, there's a huge difference between us and their culture. 100%. 100%. Why is it racist for me to say I am me? Do you understand the, yeah. the, 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 the progressive, how, how fascist they are, how close-minded they are? How dare you question? How dare you question yeah. that you're not black? A cop can't tell the difference. When he looks at you, he says, yeah, he's another nigger. Yeah. So you're denying it. Uh, that means you're denying that, that aspect of that. Yeah. You understand what I mean? It's... Yeah. it's, 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 it's the phrase never existed beyond a century. How could I be something that was not even in the books a century? What is the need of calling oneself black? It's in contrast to white. It's, it's a it is it is a But if you lived in a place there was no white, are you black? But <laughs> <laughs> it's all about ticking a box, right? Like if you look if you look at the time for jobs. Are you black? Are you white? Are you Asian? It's like all about just checking the box so they can classify all of us along the way. But I can check the box without believing it. That's the yeah. key. Yeah. I'm not saying don't check the box. Yeah. You're forced to check the box. Yeah. If it says you're a chimpanzee to get a job, hello, you're safe. <laughs> Let's be honest though. <laughs> you like we got both got legs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
In what context? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the domestication, I personally, in my own eyes, I believe this a while back, that Somalia is not the last, but one of the last intact tribe in the world. That's why we got extra attention from the globalist elite. It's not what we are, it's what we have accomplished. You understand what I mean? Yeah. We have accomplished and refused the structure that they have created. Everything has been restructuralized. The Kikiyu is a Kenyan now. Kenya is the name of a, a man who worked for a British Kenyatta. How am I him? Like, explain to me. You, you understand what I mean? Just because you click the box. Yeah. But if you click the box in your mind, you understand? Yeah. The BLM aspects of going on now. Let's help the brothers, their uncle, cousins are all in jail. The, 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 the relatives are in refugee camps. Yeah. Marching, help them. Police injustice, dude. Like, your own cousins are starving, man. Because, but he checked the box and said, I'm part of this whole group, not just you, my direct blood. I'll be racist just to help you. Just because your dad and my dad are brothers. Fuck you, nigga. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm got part of a pickle as Malcolm X and all of them and MLK said, fight the power. I'm on that road, you Because I'm, I'm black, no? I'm black, no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you see how dangerous it is? It's very dangerous, yeah. Because of the, you are what you believe. Allah calls you a movement. You literally become what you believe. I'm not anti-black. But what is that? Explain to yourself. Yeah. Who's the chief of black? What historical movements did black people did together? Collective. Yeah. What collective cultural language did the black people develop? Well, yeah. Because that's what majority of kids believe. This is not trivial to me. Yeah. It's really the heart of it. I'm not interested. Yeah, they adjusted from metro housing. They live in Kanata. They buy things. How did we? You know what I mean? I'm just saying, what, what context are you striving in? Yes. Allah said, I created you as tribes. He is describing the society that he created, not the Hollywood created society. It's also a society. Yeah. By the way, the Hollywood and the Matrix made society mirrors what Allah's society is. So instead of a tribe, they call it nations, countries. They can't eliminate it in people. The need to belong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So instead of the youth who used to be, hey, how do we protect our women? And how do we listen to our granddaddies and protect our village? And now they're all like, hey, go Arsenal. Yo, have you seen LeBron Dunk? No, I'm, I'm Team Cleveland. Nigga. Why? <laughs> you yeah. understand what I mean? Yeah. Because he checked the mark of who he is. Who are you? So if you want to ask me what my message to a degree is, if you don't know who you are, you are working for another man who knows who he is, guarantee, law of nature. You understand? Yeah. You'll spend your money in his store. You'll spend his money in his hotel. You'll buy his sneakers. Who do you work for? Yeah. You buy into his speculations. You buy and everything you do is within his context. What are you driving for? Yeah. I hope I answered. Yeah, it's it's all about uh, you know how they say Canada is a multi-part, right? A multiculturalism. But honestly, what you what basically you're saying, and I kind of agree, is that we kind of lose our identity, we lose our nationality, we lose everything we are. So we adopt like, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm basically like a, I'm a fanboy for this team or this player, or I just I, I take the identity of an entertainer. And basically, you just lose yourself, and you just basically, basically, what they call a stand, right? I mean, I claim that, like, basically, a the stand, stand, the groupie, groupie, exactly, yes, yes. exactly, yeah, which is kind of sad. And Somalis, unfortunately, we kind of like, we kind of like diverted towards that over time. But the groupie lineup is long. Yeah, you understand? Yeah. Groupies have no significance to me because they are like flag. They wait. They waiting for the wind where to go. You know, it's a choice. Yeah. Life comes down to a choice. Yeah. If you become a stand, like Eminem said, it's your choice. Yeah. This podcast, to a degree, I'm not being egotistical about it, yeah. but we humans 
in my eyes, one of the main purpose is always to give back. Yeah. You know, to give back in whatever experience you have, yeah. right or wrong. And this is my attempt, in a way, to give back. You know, because you know, I, in that 30 years of living in Canada, yeah. I lived the same clueless that you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did believe I was black. It's a huge thing. It's a subject I will keep coming back to. Yeah. Because identity is who you are. Yeah. I don't know. When the first slaves arrived, you know, the, like the whipping and all in the sheep, forget about that. The first lesson, every single slave is given before given and goes to auction is to accept the new name. Who are you? That's what Kunta Kinte was told. He keeps saying, I'm Kunta Kinte. Web, who are you? I'm Kunta Kinte. Web, until he finally says, I'm Toby. Who are you? Toby. Toby who? Toby Edwards. You know what I mean? Who are you? Because it's like a horse. You can't ride. You know how the horses are domesticated? Yeah. Yeah. No one rides the wild horse. A.K.A. Fobbs. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Shots, Shots fired, fired, man. Generational, generational. Yeah. Um, and the next question I want to ask you in regards to is, uh, like, what are your uh, thoughts on the Somali youth nowadays? Uh, like, because I know, like, we were kind of talking about before the podcast about like some of your criticism on the Somali youth, uh, and we kind of like touched upon it a bit. But like, like you were mentioning, like, uh, like even some of the apps we were talking about, like, uh, like in regards to my book, you know, and you said in the end, like, like a lot of people don't know what what they're really following. Right, and like you were talking about specific individual, you can mention his name or not, but like, uh, like that, that's kind of like you know, kind of leading a lot of people astray, and people kind of like you know adapting to it. Like we mentioned earlier, right? Like obviously, like you don't have your own identity, so you kind of attach yourself to it, right? So you wanted to kind of touch upon like like some of the criticism you have in regards to, uh, and even talk about that gentleman as well, like in regards to, because he plays a big part in the small youth, right? I, I don't know if I can categorize it as a big part, but he. He illuminated to us as a one example that we can latch on. Yeah, you know of, yeah. of, of that. To your question, uh, I'm not here to criticize the youth. It's not oh, yeah. an error that they have done. Yeah. being young and dumb is not a choice. Yeah. I've been through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in fact, those who are listening to this podcast and you are way ahead of all cats than I'm when I was your age. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It goes, like, somehow, somewhere, it still goes back to the identity aspect. Those who don't know their history are bound to repeat the mistakes. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You understand what I mean? So when the youth, when Jay-Z and LeBron and and the African-Americans become their their heroes, you understand? There is something I like to in-depthly kind of explain to you is that I've observed this throughout the years is that the Somali youth, especially in the Western diaspora, are different than the other immigrants. The key difference I've observed is that most of the other immigrants for the last 30 years were able to go back home. Their homes were, were safe. So the Pakistani kid, even though he grew up here, he'll go back to Pakistan. And a lot of the kids that you grew up to. So even though they had the same experience as you guys, the fact that you guys could not go back and your identity from Black Hawk down and everything was really bad, starving. You know what I mean? Believe it or not, the Somali youth in late 90s in Canada and in Western aspect, in the early 2000s, were extremely anti-Somali. Way worse. Yo, you guys love Somali because of Drake. Let's be honest. We should make make a statue of Drake. No, seriously. (laughs) The revival of Somali culture? Seriously. Yeah. In the early, in the late 90s, the first generation, you know, you can't blame them. You know why? All they see is kids with mosquitoes in their faces in the TV. You understand what I mean? All they see is starving and killing. And they, and the other kids in school will be telling them, yo, you came from that shithole. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they hated that. Now you guys are proud because you guys are on the Drake's EP. Let's be honest though. <laughs> right though? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That chest pumping, that whole little kids wearing Somali flags, it's because hip hop is pushing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like how uh, 
uh, Little Wing was wearing a Palestinian scarf, right? A couple years ago. And everybody started wearing it because it was a fashion symbol. It's, it's about the supporting Palestinians. Uh, now go back to the individual that you yeah. were saying and within the context and what you just talked about, like Little Wing. There is a huge rebranding of Islam and Somalis yeah. the last few years. Yeah. This didn't happen a decade ago, if you remember. Yeah. It, the opposite was happening. Demonization of Islam, demonization of all of us as being backward. Now we are in the mainstream. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. But that mainstream is not necessarily beneficial to us. Yeah. It's That's why I call it rebranding. Like, to go back to the individual you're talking about, like Jadine, for example, he lived here in Ottawa. When he was on Dean Squad and doing all of that, he really did get this. I was one of his early fans. I was watching his videos. Even though I didn't fully agree, I understood the flaws of it. I was just like the majority. It's better than Lil Wayne. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we fall into that. I never in my million years thought this rabbit hole was very deep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And well, where does it all go? It's a rebranding. It's an acceptance of something that's not Islamic, that we, as we know it, like tattoos of Allah in their bodies. You know what I mean? Like they, they mentioning Allah's names with music you know, that have beats with people like dancing. You know what I mean? It's a very why? Why did they make things go directly go to TV and directly performing opening for people? You know what I mean? Why? You understand that is only if you're pushing certain agenda. You understand? So whether they move it or not, it's the, that's not the point. The point is there is a clear, clear, you know, uh, an attempt to to corrupt the youth. The Jadeen aspect specifically, the way I look at it now, is literally aimed at the Somali girls. It's something that's already was in the street. That's something. It's something already known. Now it's literally that guy who took our girls literally making a video not just about the girl but how we are looking at and just fronting and swagging on us yeah. it's deeper the deeper aspect i hope you realize what i'm talking about yeah, is yeah. that it, because there is no revenue stream coming out of this yeah. you know what i mean there is there is no regular thing that we are aware of that's that's coming out of it's not a traditional artistic aspect you learn language and you want to showcase language, but yet it's always Halimo come kiss me, Halimo come hold my hand. That has nothing to do with learning language. Yeah. It's not respectful. You're a guest, as you call it, of Somalia. Yeah. What kind of guest just keeps on riding on our teenage girls, bringing on videos? Who sponsors him? Salama app. What do they do? They're a dating app. A dating app? You know, conflict of interest. You're pushing not language, you're pushing girls. Yeah. You're sponsored by a dating app. Yeah. Very ironic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even in his stream, once in a while, he's pushing you, say, yo, this is the dating app, you can be discreet, nobody can see your profile. You know what I mean? Okay. Nobody's buying these videos. Where is these, all these money flying around and being charitable and just like a celebrity? A local kid with you from Ottawa was that didn't have that much money. It's a man-made cloud machine. The idea of being on barrios and all these restaurants is flashing money that really does not see what is generated. So what is the example of JD? It's a tiny thing. It's a tiny glimpse. Why on us? What's so special about us? Like I said, the Indian doesn't know his tribe. So you know... He's basically a micro-cosm. Yeah. You know what he push? You know what he pushes? Big. Why do Somalis call me Jaleel? He pushes that. Yeah. Why? I'm also black. We're also black. That's the whole idea. We're all black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're all black. Yeah. You understand what I mean? So, yeah, so yeah. We, do, we, we need to work. And, and most, and this is what I'm shocked. Both Somali youth. Like, even though they are aware of the, you know, the concept of the world, what's going on, they, the few had clued into that. Yeah. It's nothing special about Somali. It's what your granddaddy is there. That they can't take out of you. You understand the yeah, concept? 
has nothing to do with you having money. It's just the way you kiss your mom's forehead and the way you send money to a woman and steal barri. They can't have that. You understand what I mean? Another way of Jadeen, another form of Jadeen, shisha place. All Arab women used to smoke it for centuries. No, even Arabs didn't smoke it. Like All of a sudden, rappers pushing it. Yeah. It's all over. Why? Because they want to bring out the conservative Muslim girl. Another JD form. The war is everywhere. Yeah. These African-Americans had no culture of shisha. Everywhere. Before, you know, when did you even get it? Yeah. All of a sudden, it's a, it's a shit. Why did I pick the shisha place? Everywhere in the West, smoking indoors is bad. Smoking advocates, every jurisdiction have taken shisha places to Supreme Court. Never overturned. Never touched. The aim is not just Somalia, it's Islam in general. And the focus on us is that we are 100% Muslim population and we are very devout, very charismatic not bragging, but society said we are, you know, good looking. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Good on camera. Yeah. So it ain't Somalis. We've, we've been propped up for something bigger than us. So soon, in future, when you see Somali celebrities everywhere, don't think they got there because they, they got swag. They were chosen and they were domesticated and they were nurtured. The Somalis that you will see are Somalis who will claim they're, they're fully black. They're Somali. They're fully 100% secular and they're all fully pushing a certain agenda. They have to. They have to. They will dominate. They will dominate the media. That's one one thing. It's not a prophecy. I don't like to say it like it, but what I have seen. And that will show you, if you see Somalis, hundreds, hundreds of celebrities in, in 20 years, know that there was an agenda. Why we're here disproportionately. Then you will understand your context of your whole thing. There was a document certain Somali elders have shown us in the 90s that was printed by the U.S. State Department and they mistakenly sent it to the Somali embassy in D.C. in 74. Some little kid or clerk made a mistake. A Somali guy read it, copied it, gave it to people. It literally said, how do we resettle the Somali refugees coming in the millions in 1974. Wow. Wow. You are no different than the onion and the papaya in your local grocery store or the lion in the zoo. Human just like you wrote in pen before your granddaddy was born where he wants you to be. So when you understand and peel back the onion, then at least the knowledge will give you that power of, okay, alhamdulillah, I understand my context. How do I make my move to regain my integrity? Because how do you fight something you don't even understand is happening? And the entire school and the entire media you see is pushing the narrative of, are you happy? Are you having fun? And you're having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Happiness does not come from vacuum. It comes from understanding. So the one that's shallowly seeking happiness as most, it's just like a drug. It's an addiction. It's a thrill seek. Knowing that you're fucked is better than knowing that you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good lesson to learn. <laughs> That's absolutely a good lesson. At least you can find a way not yeah. to get fucked in the future. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next question I want to ask you, and we kind of touched this on earlier, um, what role has hip-hop played uh, in the, for Somali youth? Uh, the reason I mention that is because, like, I've kind of talked about this before uh, on a previous episode of the podcast, and uh, and it was, it was kind of like mentioned, like, especially with Muslim youth, like has it done more harm than good? Like uh, in regards to like like because hip hop, like you mentioned before, is not like a Somali identity. 
is something we've adopted in Muslim too. Because it's something that like we feel like, hey, you know, we see black people making money and making music and we want to adopt that. So now like obviously you see in Toronto, you see in Ottawa, there's a lot of guys over the years that try to like, you know, become rappers, you know, or like, you know, throw some mixtapes here and there, you know. Try to like, you know, emulate uh, the clothing, you know, and the style and do some gang banging, selling drugs, that kind of stuff. Do you feel like hip hop uh, played like a really negative role in the Somali youth? Or do you feel like like it's kinda like uh, indifferent, like kinda like balance? Where like there are some people that do listen to it that are okay with it, and there's other people that kinda take it too far. Yeah, yeah I, like you said, I touched on it earlier, is that yeah. the Somali kids, what makes them different than most other youth is that they literally act out, not most, but majority of the non-Somali kids can tell the difference that this is just a fictional story. They can separate themselves. You understand? And I'm not blaming the Somali kids. I believe it's a trap that was made by the system. That's my conclusion. You understand what I mean? Yeah. It was set up on you guys to become African-Americans quickly. Yeah. Because the idea of your existence here is to be in front of camera. Not all of you. Yeah. But if 200 or, or even 2,000 of you make it into the camera, the 3 million, 20 million of you in diaspora just was existed for that 2,000. You understand what I mean? So the Somali kids, because they don't have, they did not go back home. It will not be the same if Somalia was a peaceful place throughout the 90s. The kids would be mostly exposed to Somalia too. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Why the Somalis have this? It's not just drink. The lately Somalis of your age, there is a pride that you haven't seen 10 years ago because they get to go back now. That's a huge aspect. So what separates the Somali kids is that we have, there is no, statistics clearly show. You know what I mean? Jail records clearly show. You know what I mean? The club attendance clearly show to you that we have the highest than any other immigrants being closer to African-American. And I'm generalizing African-American to be fair to them. I'm just talking about the ones we see in the, new, in the, in the mass media being in the ghetto. That's not African-Americans as a general. But the idea of hip-hop is, of course, toxic. It's Megan Stallion. It's Cardi B. You know what I mean? It is that kind of aspect. The last authentic hip-hop died with Tupac. Tupac's killing was a huge effect. But because even the guys you're talking about, early 90s, NWA, the only one really who have infiltrated hip-hop was still Tupac. No one else. No one else. And I'm not just saying it as a fan. Because Tupac came from Black Panther. He was raised with a deep, deep political ruling. He was set up actually by Black Panther to infiltrate Hollywood. Because he was reading New York Times and big books at the age of five. His stepdad was one of the founders of Black Panthers. You know what I mean? And they were ex extremely more scholastic and learning. Me Fabino. Yeah. So he came in, Brenda got a baby, keep your head up. You know what I mean? How do you like it? Like some bangers with the girls and all of that. But no doubt. No one has spent, spent that kind of knowledge since and after. Not even close. Not even close. As in like, like, like a popular like type of like way. And it says no one's touched that. Because obviously other rappers like the Mortal Technique and that kind of one, but like they haven't gone to that level the way to podcast. The numbers yeah. of popularity, yeah. of effect he had in the world, yeah. some might be, yes, some more immortal, let's say. Some others might be much more involved. Yeah. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. He consciously hijacked Hollywood. It's a deep concept. His first act in Hollywood was playing as a background dancer for Digital Underground. He was wearing underwear. This involved man. He came from ballerina. It was all an act. He knew he had to do that to infiltrate Hollywood. When he got the money, when he got the movie, when he got everything, why did he want to sacrifice it by talking about the elites? Because that's why he came there. That's why after him, Jaru literally wears Tupac's clothes. All his bandana, all of them, Jay-Z, all of them showed you the visuals of Tupac. But they were just telling you, shake your ass. But the visuals of Tupac was there. No one else ever infiltrated. You understand? So what is the effect of hip-hop? The effect of hip-hop is simple. Have 20 baby mamas, 
You understand what I mean? Be responsible for nothing. Life is a party. Spend time with your boys. Let's be honest. Therefore, Bobby, like Bob said, where's the mama again? People don't have mamas. They all spend club all day. Is that what it is, though? Yeah. Every single one. Popping bottles, champagne, yo, make it rain. Every day, you know what I mean? <laughs> what is the effect of hip hop is bigger than Somali youth? Hip hop made African American men the sex symbol of the world. It's not just to Somali girls, it's to all girls. Without hip hop, that won't happen. Hip hop and black African American culture they're pushing is black Africans are actually the elites now because they're training us how to be slaves. They have seniority over us. Do you understand? So when you have all these celebrity, a grown ass woman shaking ass all day, other cultures, aunties would have came, uncles would have came. But this is a culture of 400 years of slavery. No, I don't blame them. Their families were cut. You understand what I mean? Look at the difference of these African-American so-called celebrities and representatives. I'm not talking about the people once again. Malcolm X compared to them. Malcolm X considered you a Somali his hero. Malcolm X went to Africa to learn. He wasn't pushing African-American chairs. You know what I mean? He was in Bush, you know, what, what, when, we, when he went there, he was saying, please, brothers, I'm your lost brother, teach me. You're the old culture. We should be at their heroes. Yeah. We should be their counselors. Yeah. It's not them, once again. These rappers destroyed more African-American people than anyone else. These rappers are mouthpiece for the jail. In fact, that's why they front going back and forth in jail. It's a joke. It's to bait the kids. Like I said, it's to make the guy gangster and the girl street, like Future said. It's simple. Why are they not pushing what we are dealing with every day? Where is the rap about writing resumes and having no job? It's the daily thing. How many of their audiences are living that lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, the irony of it, right? Like, all, most of our fans are like working out of Uber drivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some bushy ass. You know, giving a tie and having some $15, 18 dollar an hour job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's no executives listening to this shit. Yeah. They might be pushing it though. Yeah, yeah but it's not marketable. Right? That's, that's the thing. Yeah, they, uh, they, they talk about resumes or trying to get people back to uh, having jobs not marketable, right? They can't make money off of it. No, but that's where I disagree. Yeah. If you don't market something, how could you say it's not marketable? Dear Mama was a hit. Yeah. Keep your head up with super hit. I see no changes with super dope banger in the streets and in the clubs, and it was still saying what? See, I still see the same faces. You know what I mean? Nothing changes. So, the idea of saying it's not marketable, that is the narrative they're pushing. And, and you got to put it in context, something. Yeah. The other side, the trap, the other side, the bling bling, they were going non-stop for the last 25 years. Unchallenged. Unchallenged. You, you might name like common, most dev, just say, you know, Talib Waliki, like you say, immortal technique, yeah, and now we're going to go all the way down shelf. Yeah. Why never up shelf? Is it an accident? So as far as when you're saying it's not marketable, they don't want to create the society you're talking about. The owners want to see baby mamas. How the heck are they going to be marketing? Don't, don't, don't sleep around. You understand what I mean? There is a whole department social service dealing with it. There are lawyers waiting for this job. You understand? There is millions of jobs for that moment to be multiple baby mama. So how do you think out of vacuum some kid in a basement can be pushed by a big multi-billion dollar company saying let's stop the baby mama machine? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely.
Um, I want to ask you a few more questions as well. Um, like, uh, what's like, what are your thoughts on uh, young Somali men and women in regards to like marriages and divorces? Well, I, like I said, as always, Somali issue. I, I always coming back. It's not in vacuum. Yeah. You know, if we were all in Somalia, then I could answer that within all Somalis. You get it? The Somalis in the in the West, they they mirror. The, 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 the divorce rates that's going on in, in general, but I don't know if I could say it, it's unique to Somalis. It isn't like the Chinese woman, even though we are aware of more like it's a pretty known aspect that foreigners can get them easier than their men. I've never dated one. Everybody has that preconceived notion. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't make this up. So the sad part, and I don't blame the Somali girls, first is their beauty. You know what I mean? It's their beauty that is undeniable, which sort of is a curse in this context. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because when you kind of stand out to your own tribe, that's different. But when you stand out to multiple tribes, you know what I mean? To be coupled with the, with the media pushing aspect, you get it? And to be coupled with feminism. You know what I mean? So the Somali girl is the real dynamic. She is being given just like every other girl an unbalanced power. So which, whether you say it's it's deserved or it's backward to question it, was not the way not too long ago. You understand? So what is the, the reason if you go back, I cannot answer it only within the context of Somalia. It's unfair. Somalis are not divorcing because Somalis hate Somalis. You know that the power dynamics I'm talking about has a huge play. Yeah. It's a brand new thing. You can, no one can deny this or argue with me that feminism was not a thing a hundred years ago. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But that power imbalance of the, that's given to the woman, not just in monetary aspect, but in the law protection. You know what I mean? So, so we have entered to answer that question very deeply. It's not really a marriage or a relationship. It was between those couples. The system is part of it. So the real culprit to answer your question about the divorce rate is that third party. Third part, that third party pushes in the idea of them, oh, that was an abuse. Oh, that was a hurt. A context that the person did not make up on their own. You know, when they describe, hey, my husband is not looking at me, or she reads concept, it's like, oh, he must be doing something bad. Yeah. Same with her, same with him. Yeah. So they are not really, they forgot why they loved each other. You know what I mean? And they get into these Hollywood made-up fantasies they watch of what relationships are. We are partners, as if like we're doing some kind of a business deal here. It's, what's all this competition? I'm equal to you. Like, are we in Olympics? What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, this argument is because you're putting me down because I'm a woman. Like, you are a woman. You've always been a woman. You understand? It's not her speaking. It's the upright her. Same with the guy. It's that trap, nigga. Oh, why you? How dare she talk to me like this? Yeah. You are going to man up, yo. Yo, yo, yo. I can't allow this man. No, you're work, babe. Uh, you call me that? Oh my God, it hurt. Heart hurt, everything hurt. Yeah. She's not hurt. But the system said, yo, that one should knock you down. Yeah. You understand what I mean? She sees it in housewives that, yo, slippers come out when they hear, they hear that word. You understand what I mean? <laughs> I hope I answered the question is that yeah. they are like that because of their environment. And, and like I said earlier, it's a choice. It's not unique to everybody. You can understand, you can change, you can live within this context and not affect them. We've seen, you've seen successful stories. If those people can manage, we can't blame the system. You know what the system is? The system is like Satan. All he has power is suggestion. He can't compel you. You understand what I mean? He can't compel you. So let's not give the system undue power. It's suggested for you to be like Cardi B. That's its suggestion. If you fell for it, and if you forget Quranki, if you forget it's a choice. So the narrative of what you're asking me comes from the, the concept of who should we blame? 
for the divorce rates? Who should we blame for the generational differences of understanding? It's the individual. Look at you. Look at your age. You're half my age. You don't act like majority of kids your age. You grew up with the same aspect. What's the difference, I ask you? Yeah. It's a choice, right? All the resources are there. So when you go to Akira, where Eli says, I'm asking you a question, the questions that you've, that you've been judged, Eli will not ask you if he didn't know you had a choice to get out of that. You understand what I mean? The whole question you're asking is why, through your free will, you chose that this wrong way. And what will humans say? That guy, Satan did it. Literally, it's written, right? He will come out and say, no, no, no. I suggested. Yes. I didn't compel you. Yes. So go ahead, thank you. <laughs> no uh, two, two final questions I want to ask you. Uh, what do you foresee how the Somali community will be in the future in Canada? Uh, like, what, what's your projection, like, next, like, five, ten years? Uh, how, like, especially the small youth, uh, do you think it'll get better? Do you think it'll get worse? Uh, especially how, like, you know, things are, are trending right now. Like Chirac, there'll be Somali little dirks coming out. Get ready. Clicks. It just, they mirroring up. I'm not claiming to be genius. I'm just seeing what African-Americans are doing. They can't be doing something different. So what would be the future of Somali kids would be the way right now, anywhere in Canada, anywhere in UK, outside of American crowd, if you take a hip, swagged out African-American He'll be hero to all races, all neighborhoods, by the power of accent and the accent. So the Somali youths will be disproportionately, disproportionately represented in Hollywood. The goal that you are brought here, the Indian is here to do the programming, the Chinese to do the production. You are marketing. The girls will be marketed to the highest end billionaires. Somalia will be Dubai. You understand? Yeah. So whatever you see the Somali circumstance now, in 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 the next few decades, we by getting the media is the most powerful entity in the world. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So when the media pushes the narrative that we are one of a kind, it's not out of love for us. It's a trick. Yeah. And we'll fall for that trick. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. They know how we are. They're not going to push you saying F Somalia. They'll be pushing you saying your Somali is amazing. Their kill, their culture, oh, they're all amazing. Yeah. And of course, through flattery, they don't realize ultimately we'll be pushing secularist aspect, which is anti-Islamic. Halima on the sports cover. Yeah, yeah Burkini. It's a remix of hijab. First woman. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Look at the Congresswoman. In Time Magazine, Sports Illustrated. How many Nigerian women did that? This proportion, these people outnumber us by 10, 20 times, even historically, man. Yeah. How come when Nigerians and other West Africans make it big, they just make it big on their name? Yeah. When a Somali makes it big, it's always a Somali. Why? Everybody knows Idris Alba. Yeah. Few people know he came from Ghana. Sabrina, it's not Sabrina. Sabrina can never be mentioned without mentioning Somalia. Why couldn't Trump keep Somalia out of his mouth? Disproportionate. There is no bad publicity. From the redneck to the jungles of Africa, your name is being pushed. Why? Because it's prepping you for the media. You see what I'm talking about? You don't make it to Hollywood. You are you are chosen to push certain narratives in Hollywood. That's the only way. You understand what I mean? So the Somali narrative will be the destruction of Islam. That is their contract. They don't know it. Because they are 99% Muslim. This thing is not telling you leave your religion. He's telling you to put a remix on it and push it. Halima, they are 
the fashion madam. Yeah. She just met Tommy Hilfiger in his house yeah. with BBC crew. Yeah. And the whole discussion was Halima refused the standards of the catwalk. And Hilfiger is shocked. Oh my God, he says, we will change the standard of fashion model because we, we will adjust to the Islamic rules. Yeah. No more naked woman walking in a man's dressing room to go to her room. Yeah. Halima changed. She's a Rosa Parker. <laughs> That's a good thing. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It, no, it's a good thing for now. Yeah. But what I mean is, does the guy who's giving you that, is he looking out for you though? No, he's not. It's a good thing for a short term. For a short term, the long term. Yeah, it will, it will. They can't push what they're planning to push 40 years from now. Now, yeah. you wouldn't accept it. It's all about incremental. It's incremental. Yeah. Slow change. Slow change. Yeah. And and my, my friend was explaining to me this aspect is I, I even however evolved I claim I didn't even know the difference yeah. between lies and deception. Deception apparently has element of truth in it. Yeah. So it's hard. It will disarm. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So like you said, it's a good thing. That's what you jump. You jumped on the deception aspect that, yo, if all they see is Cardi B, you know what I mean? A hijabi, however not perfect, is way better than Cardi B. Yeah. You, and you're not wrong at all in yeah. your assessment. Yeah. But yeah. you fell for that deception. It's a learning, learning curve. But that's what life is up to. Yeah. Life and, that, and if I want to leave one message per se, it's learn. Yeah. Learn, learn, learn. And what are you what are you learning? What's up? Yeah. It's everything. What's up? What's up? The older folks and the younger folks are forgetting is that they learn within the context of only history. What's up translates it and say put it to context to now. There's no point just knowing what happened. Yeah. You have to be able to apply it to now. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Of 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 like what what deceptions did your father and his father fell for before you understand yours? Then put it in within the context of yours. Yeah. So the message I wanna partake, I honestly I think I'm at this age, you know, pushing late forties. Yeah. I haven't even learned a quarter of it. I'm just beginning to awake from it, me family. Yeah. Is I know majority of the kids will not really grasp the depth of what I'm trying to convey. Not now, maybe in decades. It's not something you can really get it now, which is to put it plainly. Like the way you talked about hip hop, the youth, where we came from originally, all of that, the way you put it together. What is the solution? In my eyes, the solution is go get a camel, go get a land your tribe live, and run. That is the ultimate solution. Anything short of that, you ain't free. I know that. That's it. There is no other way out. You understand what I mean? Your kids, whatever you think is effed up now, Eli forbid for your own kids. But majority will be making what we're doing now look like a joke in few decades. So when you ask me what is the future, it looks bleak without a camel and shoe. <laughs> Uh, before we wrap up this episode, the last thing I want to ask is, like, do you have any final words you'd like to say to somebody in Canada? Get a camera in the shoe. Did you know what we began in our aspect? You said, you nomad boy, we opened with the nomad boy. Remember? Yeah. yeah. We opened with where we came from. Yeah. Mi Femino. Marka, yeah. I have all, it's not a black, white thing. Mi Femino, it is bank, it's owners who own you. It's where they want you to be. It's another man who's been It's not like wow, You get it? You can undo what they have done in your mind. Learn, unlearn. It's all a mind aspect. So Eli is more powerful than them. You know what I mean? My main message that I want to partake with despite all this doom and gloom is if you become afraid of that dark side, you lost. Don't give your fear. Despite all of this, this was just an illumination of like, this is what I think, how effed up you are. Yeah. But once you wake up from that, is that despite that, it's just a test from Allah. Yeah. 
is more powerful than them. Despite all these veils, never lose hope and never give your fear to anything but Allah. Do you understand? So from my aspect, the reason I'm sitting with you here is I realize majority of people or Somali of my age, even if they understand, they are not pushing this on you guys. You know what I mean? So this is not just I know hip hop, I've been here since that long, but it's within the context of Badi You know, ultimately it goes back to just like what I said. What I just said is relevant from Adam's time till today. Shaitan is here, he's trying to lead us astray. Don't forget Ilahi. He's gonna do all kind of tricks to you. He did it to all the prophets. No matter, isn't it relevant at any age? You know what I mean? The only difference now is we are in advanced age with the technology, with all the devices. So in a video game aspect, you're living in advanced times. So what does that require? Advanced and much more invocation of And one of the best messages I can give you is that just like the way we think of saving money in the banks and growing our wealth and equity, the equity in Akira is how you treat other people. Just because the elites controlled you, they messed up your life from bad years, they did this to you, that's not your fault. You fell for their tricks, you, you went astray, you did all that shit. It's really, you can undo it by your day-to-day. Be good to Hoyo, speak to her in a good way, be good to Abo, be aware of your neighbors. You know what that does? It cleanses your soul of all your shortcomings that you were felt trapped. Just like everybody, the Ilahi will start elevating you. You start seeing doors you don't see. All you gotta focus is how you treat those people. You know, I just learned not too long ago that a Sheikh was saying this beautifully. He said, when you don't praise Allah, when you do things between you and Allah, when you didn't do so on, it's definitely. You know what I mean? But if you gamma, if you throw your hands up and say, Eli, forgive me for not playing salat, and you do begin to do salat, Eli will forgive you. It's an automatic thing. The way I was explained to it makes it it's beautiful. But where it gets complicated is when you hurt other people. Now when it's something be, be further than just you and Allah, now when you hurt someone else, Eli can only forgive you on condition after that other person forgives. Now you are in a deep trap, trap, eternal trap. So don't make it casual, just shitting on people. That's what Hollywood taught you. It's a satanic training. It's something we are unconscious of. Oh, you, you, oh, you is not progressive. We, I gotta talk back to her. Huge, oh, you, it's one of the gates of heaven. But oh, you, according to the school, she's being oppressing me. How fair is that? Oh, I don't care. I don't know, but wow, I'm I'm overly good. But you know, sometimes fuck that neighbor, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? It's a satanic recruitment of them. Yeah. So just because you got iPod and iPhone, now you're telling me the angels ain't gonna record you? That's part of the satanic aspect. Huh? You're too involved to fall for that background aspect. So my main message mainly is treat others kindly, goodly, humbly. And take care of all you and love all you. Be with your family. Be good to all. <laughs> Whatever they pull at you, a shaitan and all, they got nothing on you. Even if they got you, they didn't stop you from going to heaven. So how did they get you? Inshallah. May Allah grant you all heaven. May Allah bless you all. First and foremost, uh, Dini, thank you uh, so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, like I said, uh, you've been basically a, a mentor for mine for a long, long time. And I appreciate you coming on and spinning this facts and spinning some knowledge. And, you know, especially talking about like a lot of these topics that, that me and you kind of talked about on and off for years. And um, I'm, I hope uh, the audience kind of picks up a lot of this, especially the Somali audience as well. Like they kind of like, you know, think about a lot of stuff and, you know, be very, very critical of what they kind of consume. 
uh, and also even their future kids as well. Because uh, like this could be a trend that can really harm us down the line. Absolutely. You know? So I'm glad you came on and uh, uh, spitting all these facts. And uh, I will I, you know, uh, inshallah, you know, uh, I'm gonna plug uh, your Instagram so people can start following you as well. Uh, you can. Do, what's your Instagram handle? Yeah, OG with swag, one word. OG with swag, double G. <laughs> so I'll add uh, his Instagram handle on the, the the clip when I post the, the episode. But like like I said, I wanted to thank uh, Denny for coming on the podcast. Uh, uh, I'm this is Somali Nomad. I'm your host Sammy, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side.